Every year, I start the school year full of hope, motivated to make the lunchbox my kids will love. That's not only healthy, but it's delicious and it's also time-saving. Then as the term rolls on, as I bring home these half-eaten lunches, I just revert back to the old safety foods. Vegemite or cheese sandwiches, a sad piece of fruit, maybe a few packet items thrown in there. I need inspiration. I need variety, but I also need the food to be eaten and my busy brain to not get overwhelmed or feel like a lunchbox failure. Welcome to Healthy Her with Amelia Phillips. If you, like me, are looking for some lunchbox inspiration on tips and tricks how to make our kids' school lunches or preschool lunches not only healthy, but delicious and time-saving, then you, my friend, have come to the right place. Today, I am joined by the lunchbox king, George Georgievsky. He's not only been making his two daughters' school lunches for more than around eight years, but he's grown a lunchbox inspo empire through his Instagram account, School Lunchbox. And please do yourself a favor and follow it right now. It's awesome. He's written three books, Lunchbox Express, Dinner Express, and The Air Fryer Express. And he's currently producing his fourth book on school lunches and especially good for those with special dietary needs. He's been crowned the most inspiring lunch creator in the world and is the Australian ambassador for Jamie Oliver's Ministry of Food which aims to transform the health and well-being of communities across Australia. Welcome to Healthy Her, George. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Wow, what an intro. I know. Oh, I'm Honestly, I have been stalking and following you and having inspo for you for such a long time now. I couldn't wait to get you on today. Awesome. I mean, you've been making school lunches for a while now. You've got almost 200,000 Instagram followers. Yes. How did you end up? being crowned the pin-up boy for lunchboxes. Oh, it's crazy. It's nuts because it's like Facebook and TikTok took off as well. So now I've got just as much on Facebook and TikTok's going nuts as well. So it's like half a million. And that scares me a bit because the the expectation's real, like the pressure's on, but I don't let it change from my one sentence philosophy for me every morning. So every day when I do make the lunches, it's just like, okay, this is the last one I'm ever going to make. I'm never going to make another lunch again. So, oh my gosh, no pressure. Yeah. So, what am I going to do that when my girls open their lunchbox, they can look at it and know, wow, dad loves me, or this is an expression of love. And that's all it is for me. It sounds a bit hippie, but it is an expression of love for my daughters. Oh, that is so beautiful. Uh, were you always a cook? I mean, is it something, is food your love language? Is it something that you've always been into? I think I've always been into it, but I never took it serious. Like I've never done cooking. I'm in construction. You're not a trained chef or anything? Oh, actually, I wish I was, but in a way I'm glad I'm not because I don't abide by any rules. I just do what works for me and my family, whereas certain chefs will never do certain things that I most certainly do. Right, right. Obviously, you and your wife must have made the decision, okay, you're going to be responsible for lunchboxes. And did you just start shooting and photographing your lunches or how did you decide to make it public? I'd be embarrassed to post half my lunches yeah. public. That's <laughs> uh, all good. Well, basically when I took over lunches and I took over because to take the pressure off my wife in the mornings, but I used to leave super early before anyone would wake up. So I had no idea what the chaos was like in the morning, but one morning I saw what it was about 
and I had to help. So I took over all cooking duties from that point on and I had no idea. Every mother in the world loves you right now, by the way, for saying that. And they're like, can you speak to my husband, please? (laughs) Yeah, I can actually. But what was interesting at that point, I had no idea. So I tried to join like Facebook pages and I joined, I'd get accepted and they'd realize I'm a guy and then I'd get booted off. (gasps) Are you serious? Yeah. So I kind of experienced it in a way that I was like, no, no, I really need you guys. Yeah. You're not some like creepy guy. No, far from that. You know, I'm here for the same reasons that they were, but it didn't work. I got booted off most of them. So one day I basically thought, you know what, I'm going to do my own. And then a week later or so, my daughter sent home a note through her teacher saying, your mum should put these lunches on Instagram because they look great and they might inspire people. Oh my goodness. Okay. Firstly, mum. Okay. That's all good. You know, stereotype, but that's understandable with the way things are. But then I thought, what's Instagram? Looked it up, downloaded it. And then I literally just started uploading and I was learning. I'm still learning. So I uploaded the first few. I think I had about a thousand or so followers and I think Channel 7 got a hold of it. And then they got me on their show and just things went crazy. I haven't looked back since then. Well, it's just a sign of the desperate need that we all have for this inspo. So let's say it's the start of the school year. We've bought our lovely shiny new lunchboxes. And the goal is that this year we will do less canteen orders. We'll be more creative than alternating our Vegemite and cheese sandwiches. Where do we start? Best place to start, I guess, is to see what your child currently likes, what they currently eat. Like there's nothing wrong with, say, cheese and Vegemite sandwiches, but if we can say, all right, we'll do that once a week, that's locked in. Even creating a small little calendar or a diary almost or just a bit of scrap paper. So just making a list of the food that our children like and then trying to introduce new foods slowly, have a sort of a gradual increase of of new foods, maybe just one new food a week. So we might decide like a croissant might be something new they've never had before, but it's something you do before the kids start school. It's a classic case of monkey see, monkey do. So if our children see me eating, let's say, buffalo chicken wings, okay, they're going to be curious. They're going to be, what's that? It smells different. What's it taste like? just to get their curiosity going. So before school starts is the best time to try new foods that you want them to eat at school. Like I have a general rule, like I do one thing a week. So I'll do sandwiches one day a week, but those sandwiches I do, I do them differently. I'll turn them into ravioli or a dumpling. And it sounds like, oh, well, it's too fancy. How do you turn a sandwich into ravioli? To be honest, it doesn't take more than 30 seconds. It's that easy. It's like a cutter or something. Yeah, I use my mum's pasta cutter, which I've got to return one day. (laughs) I use like a pasta cutter, which is like a little zigzags. So with a couple of pieces of bread, I cut the crusts off. I keep the crust because I create lollipops and stuff and different things with the crust. But anyway, I cut the crusts off, roll it out, so I flatten it, and then in the corners I put the creation of the ingredients. It might be tuna mayo or a chicken mix or of some sort or ham and cheese or even Vegemite and butter, simple. And then with the ravioli cutter, just cut it in four pieces and there's your ravioli. But it's not a case of being fancy. I'm doing it for a reason that they're bite size. So... When you put a big sandwich in a child's lunchbox, generally they just want to go out and play with their friends at lunch. They don't necessarily want to have to sit there 
picking up a big sandwich that's a little bit daunting for them. So something small that looks appetizing, it's like, yeah, well, I can eat one of those. I can manage that. So they do take it. It's usually straight in the mouth anyway. And that the idea is to get their senses going, to get their appetite going. It usually works with smaller foods. I also like this idea that it might be the same food, but a different appearance. So in some ways you're training that variety because the filling might be something that they're used to, Vegemite, but it looks different and it's got that like, oh, okay, well, this looks a bit different, but I try it and then I get that familiar flavor. But I have to ask, how do you make lollipops out of crusts? What I do is when I cut the crust off, I cut it so it's a continuous piece and then I fold it or roll it like a scroll amongst itself. So it's like a snail. Then I get a skewer and just skewer it and then it looks like a lollipop. Uh, Like the pinwheel kind of lollipop. Oh, okay. I drop it in a frying pan with a little bit of butter and jam and the jam is kind of just caramelizes almost. Yeah, caramelizes, melts all over it and it's like a sweet treat but using crusts. So it's a great way of getting rid of the crusts. Yeah, what a great way to prevent so much food wastage. Yeah, totally. And also do like banana muffins with them, you know, crusts. There's heaps of different alternative uses for it. But I just want to touch on if your child eats a full sandwich the way you serve it and it doesn't come back, just continue doing that. I found that my daughters weren't even touching it because they just wanted to play. That's why I had to be creative with the way it looks to attract them to want to eat because kids do eat with their eyes or some kids eat with their eyes. So that's why in the presenting them in, say, a ravioli or a dumpling, they'd be familiar with the shape and size, but they, as far as what was inside, it used to vary. So that's how I used to try new food. So it was similar in the sense that it looks like a ravioli, but it tastes different because I might put pumpkin and something else inside. So that's another way with fussy eaters to sort of get them to try new things. Yeah, and I think touching on your point before that you made around getting them used to a food before it appears in their lunchbox, I was talking to a pediatric dietitian not so long ago, and she was saying that children need to be warmed up to the foods that they eat. It's just like, imagine if you just came home, you had no idea what your partner's cooking and you just get a plate put in front of you. And then you see it's three quarters delicious, but you see one aversion food in there. Yeah. Suddenly that whole plate is poisoned in the kid's eyes. And so I like this idea of saying, hey, remember we had those yummy cheesy scrolls from Baker's Delight? I'm going to pop those in your lunchbox or even getting them involved in the prep and the shopping list beforehand. So you give them some control over their lunches. What you said earlier, you know, the bright brand spanking new shiny lunchboxes, I tend to use them or I did use them about a month before school started for a few weeks. So I got that. That's where I served their lunch at home. Oh, what a great idea. The reason was because I was working. I'd create their lunches even during the holidays and pop it in the fridge. So that way they weren't hassling like my wife who works from home. Oh, mum, I'm hungry or one's hungry now, one's not hungry. And it stopped that nagging. So I just make the lunch like I normally would and pop it in the fridge. But then I realized that what it did was it kept them familiar with the process And also with kids starting school for the first time, it's a great way to introduce them eating from a a new lunchbox, even if it's a bento type of lunchbox. Sometimes the tray of those bentos come out and you can literally use it as a dinner tray. So instead of a plate, I was using that as a dinner tray for my kids to get them familiar. And also opening and closing it could be difficult at times. So getting them used to that is a big Yeah, just breaking down all those barriers to make it as familiar as possible. 
And so do you pre-plan the lunches like a week ahead or anything like that? How do you help with the organisation? Well, I have my regular shopping list. I don't plan my lunches. Sometimes I like to be inspired by the the moment and I do them in the mornings because I get up super early. So I'd like to be inspired, uh, which is it sounds a bit crazy, but I like to work last minute. So I open a pantry and I, if I see, say, or, or the fridge, I see a mango, I'll, I'll create a lunchbox around that mango. But definitely being prepared is the key and that is with ingredients. So I always have a loaf of bread, a packet of wraps, all the fruit and veggies ready to go. I generally do my shopping on a Sunday and I do take my girls with me. You know, I do get them to pick their own apples, for example, touching on what you said earlier, like getting them involved, taking them shopping. I didn't realise that my youngest preferred Granny Smith apples compared to my eldest who preferred the pink lady. I had no idea. An apple's an apple. They had their preferences. So now they pick their own. So there's no complaints as far as I don't like Granny Smith. Why did you give it to me? You know, it's like, well, you picked it. Why didn't you eat it? So it puts the pressure on them. And also, you know, cherry tomatoes are a must for me anyway because my girls love them. I tend to buy smaller veggies, like everything mini, like uh, mini cucumbers, mini carrots, quirks, cherry tomatoes. It's just bite-sized, that theory again. Yeah, and also paying that little bit more for the pre-cut. Sometimes I'll have the pre-cut carrots just ready to go on certain weeks and then sometimes I like to cut the carrots in different shapes. But I think if you need time-saving, then paying that little bit extra for pre-cut veggies can just save you in the morning. Another thing we do as well is on Sunday when I do the shopping, I wash all the fruit and veg and anti-containers, sometimes like a watermelon, I'd use a scooper, like a ball scooper. Like an ice cream yeah, scooper? Yeah, just a little one and have all these fruit ready to go in airtight containers. So all I'm really doing in the morning is assembling rather than creating from scratch. Certainly saves time. Yeah, and, and even like you can make your sandwiches the night before. You don't have to do them in the morning. Yeah, a lot of parents do do that night before. I tend to, I've just been in the habit of doing it in the morning when all the breakfast stuff is out. I just do it then. But I have to tell you a tip that I did last year, which has really helped because I went to three kids going to school last year. So I thought, okay, I've got to get really organized with this. And I do most of my shopping online. So what I do, and I highly recommend this for anyone listening that does do their grocery shop online all the online shopping networks have lists you can save. And so what I did last year was I had my pantry staple list, which was every week, bread, milk, eggs, blah, blah, blah. Then I had my household items list, cleaning products, loo paper, and that's like a once a month list. I kind of loaded up with about a month's worth of all that household supplies. And then I created four lists that I call lunchbox week one, lunchbox week two, week three, and week four. And similar to you, I created those lists with my kids next to me and just slightly different. So week one might have squeezy yogurts in it for the dairy component. Week two might have cheese sticks in it and might be rolls in this one and mountain bread, which I love for kids, mountain bread. And then the other one might be multigrain bread or whatever. And so now each week I just go, okay, it's the first week of the month. All right, I'll do week one shopping list. And at least know that then there's that variety in the fridge. Yeah, it's awesome. I guess the more you prepare, the better it is. We at times do the online click and collect with the non-fridge items and then we go to the green grocer usually just to get hey you save so much money but also the freshness is different i know i know gosh i get so frustrated with the like major supermarket chains and the quality of their fruit and veg it's horrendous 
especially when there's shortages, like you can't, you can't find anything. And when you do, it's not edible. You know, I hear you loud and clear. So let's talk about the nutrient component. I'm a nutritionist, obviously. I've like that's my big focus, but sometimes it's at the detriment of creativity or what my kids really want. Do you have any rules around nutrition or do you just kind of go for the general variety and some rainbow of color in there? When I started, I did try and look up online, and we're talking many years ago. I felt it was too complicated for me as a regular dad. I'm just a dad, you know, I had no idea. So then I broke it down and realized that the number five is my rule every lunchbox. So the number five for me is three veggies, two fruits. So if I can include three veggies, two fruits in every lunchbox, I'm covering the nutrition or the nutrients they need to get them through the school day. And obviously you've got to balance it. So depending on what they have for breakfast, if they have a high protein breakfast, like say bacon, eggs, beans, then I know the lunch can be a little bit more carb orientated, a little bit more fun. But if they have like a dairy-based breakfast, like a yogurt of some sort, still protein in it, but I do then aim for more protein in the lunchbox. But generally, I do have a source of protein, whether it be in the sandwich or the taco kit that I create for them. So uh, there'll be usually shredded chicken from a, a roast. I do use deli ham. Try and get it from your butcher because it's less additives and less smoke in it. Yeah, not smoked and off the bone. Yeah, so I cover the three veggies, two fruits, protein, grains are good. If you use bread, I generally use like high fiber, low GI. Do you use multigrain bread? I do, except my eldest, she's got braces. So multigrain doesn't work for her teeth. So we go high fiber, low GI for her, it works a treat. Dairy is good, like a block of cheese. Yogurt as a dip is, is, a, is another way. But I look at it as a whole day, their food intake, rather than just a meal. And I just balance it out because if I plan to do my, say, homemade pizzas at night, well, I know they're not going to get veggies in at night. So I'm going to cram them in the lunch and vice versa, you know. I just think school is such an important time to get some of those major nutrients in there. And my rules are very similar to yours. You have a rule of five. I've got a rule of six. I try to do two fruit and four veggies. and try to make those veggies a bit colourful. So you've got the rainbow. And then I'll just look, are there two sources of protein in there? And within those sources of protein is one of them dairy. So it's like, got your fruit, you've got your veggies, got a little bit of protein and make sure a little bit of that is calcium. And that's because the massive study that's done every few years called the Australian Health Survey. And it's the biggest one that most people in health in Australia go off. Over 36,000 people participate in it. And every time it is released, the two micronutrients that kids suffer in the most is iron and calcium. They pretty much hit all their other micronutrient markers, but then the other one is vegetables. They don't have enough veggie intake. And so I also will look for iron sources. You know, it might be a rare roast beef in the lunch if you can. It might be some dark green leafies if your kids handle that. And you'll be surprised if you can pick, find some lettuce that kids like. I often will start with, say, iceberg lettuce because it's got the least bit of flavor. It's quite crunchy and very refreshing. And then if they learn to like a bit of iceberg lettuce, you can maybe introduce a bit of baby spinach, which is soft and easier on the mouth. And to your point, 
introducing it at a different time. But sometimes what I would do is I would put it in under the sandwich like a bed. So the sandwich sits on the lettuce because then, especially if it's like a baby spinach that's not too moist, it won't make the sambo soggy. Even if the kids don't eat it, they start to get familiar with the green colour. Yeah, even using like the baby cross uh, lettuce or the little lettuce cups and, and putting in the leftovers from taco night, for example. Yeah, absolutely. They love it because it's the taco flavours are there, but they're eating lettuce. So there's many ways. That's a great tip. I do a little taco kit with, I use the bento and just put different ingredients like shredded cheese, the chicken. I cut little circles out of a wrap with a cookie cutter and they just make their own. They assemble their own little taco with the the kit virtually that I've, I've given them that's all ready to go. Yeah, getting them a little bit more involved helps as well, but getting veggies is the key. And that's why I do go for the baby type veggies. Yeah, the mini ones, even those cobbets, you know, the corn cobbets. Yeah. Most kids like corn, so you pre-cook them and then they've cooled. But again, it is something that some parents might be listening now going, are you serious? My kid would literally throw that away. But it's that slow introduction. And I wanted to ask you for those parents listening that have either children with allergies or sensitivities or maybe just really fussy eaters, how do we navigate those tricky lunch boxes? With fussy eaters, which is usually a big one, and uh, we've experienced it as well, my wife and I. So I guess that's why eating at home, trying new foods at home is the key. But I guess working around the food they do like. So I know with a lot of sensory children only eat certain colours, usually the whites. So then how on earth do you come up with a white, healthy lunchbox? But there are ways, but you have to as a parent lead by example. So you have to do the case of monkey see, monkey do, even going grassroots. So planting, say, a little cherry tomato tree in a pot plant and explaining to your child, like, this is how it works and watching it grow, giving them the responsibility of watering it. Yeah, that paddock to plate concept. Yeah. And and then when it's ready to harvest, they realize just how long it takes and they learn to respect food a little bit more. I find children these days, because they're so busy and occupied with whether it be technology or playing, they don't really respect how food gets to their plate. So I believe doing something as simple as a pot plant with a cherry tomato tree is a great way to get them to understand or respect food. And even at the cash register, when you're, you know, at the greengrocer and hand the kid the card or their FOS card and get them to tap it and ask how much that costs because they need to understand it's a transaction, there's money involved. So if they can understand the value of money, then they can understand that the food is expensive. And if you can grow your own just to give them the idea of how it works is a key. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this idea of getting them involved, it's a double-edged sword because for those of us that are insanely busy, the kid wants to come into the kitchen on a busy Monday night and you just want to get dinner on the table sometimes, and you know, that's just going to create more mess or more confusion. If that's you, then maybe you set aside some time on the weekend and we used to call it a Saturday sizzle with my kids and we'd cook stuff together and I would just mentally prepare myself that this is going to be messy and it's going to take long, but you set aside that time. And I think if we have got fussy kids and we know that they're not getting that variety, it's important to try to carve out some of that time. Yeah. I mean, something simple I did, I remember doing it years ago was sugar snap peas. My kids love them. So delicious. And it's like rewarding because you take a bite and there's like little balls inside and they were playing to get them almost like a vegetable kinder surprise, right? So 
I started introducing into lunchbox. So I just blanch it in the morning lightly because I wanted the crunch to remain. So now I regularly use them in the lunchbox, just blanched in the morning, serve them cold and they snack away. It's almost like a treat. Do you know I don't even blanch mine? I just give them to them raw. This is the lazy, you know, can't be bothered to get the saucepan out. But again, and it's things like if your kid isn't into that, but then there's a dip they really like, a hummus or whatever it might be, throw that in there as well. And then suddenly they're more open to trying it. Another thing I do as well is I don't want them to open a lunchbox and not want anything. They do go through those periods and those times where they're just like, I'm not touching this. But that's why I do have a fun food every single lunchbox. Me too. Yeah, awesome. So even like a low-salt popcorn, popcorn is associated with the movies, fun times. So it is a fun food. So they'll always eat the popcorn. And believe it or not, there is nutrients. Oh, yeah. What I like about popcorn is it's a whole food. Yeah. So unlike chips or grain waves or something like that that's highly processed, got highly refined oils in them, especially there's some great popcorns now that aren't cooked in canola oil. There's coconut oil-based ones. Serious Popcorn is a great brand that I like to use because it's in coconut oil. And I think those fun foods also, if you can find closest to whole food versions, so you know those chickpeas or those fava beans? You can get chocolate-covered chickpeas now. So high in protein and they've even got like there's raspberry ones that have like a little raspberry flavour to them. What are some more of your fun foods that you put in? I do create, believe it or not, like jelly, but... They're a organic, healthy jelly that doesn't have the gelatine in it, derived naturally, So, and they're great for vegans. And I used to put their daily vitamin powder in them. I'd skewer them with other fruit. So I'd have a skewer with banana, strawberry, and then a little gelatine jelly that I made that's full of vitamins, and they think that's the treat. But they're getting their daily intake of vitamins because they uh, one of them was iron deficient. So bang, that's how I got them back up again. Isn't that amazing? Disguising food amongst amazing food. Yeah, especially the first term in that 12 weeks in the lead up to when the weather cools down. If you search on Insta or Google immune boosting gummies, yeah. you've got all those r- recipes. They're super easy. They put like lemon, ginger, honey, turmeric, and then you freeze them. So one batch is 20 or 30. 30 little gummies and you pop one of those in and you're getting that vitamin C up and you're building up their immune system before the flu season kicks in and it's a treat for them as well. The other thing as well is if you want to introduce something new, don't always expect it to get eaten and it's okay if they do return it. But what we used to do is just a quick sort of analogy. When I was growing up, going out with my friends, like when I was 18, 19, whatever, my friends were quite uh, like athletes, well-built, handsome and stuff. So when I used to stand next to them, my average went up, okay? I also looked half okay. Rising tides lift all boats, as they there say. So, so basically in the lunchbox, okay, something that doesn't look as good though that is healthy If you put it amongst something like as part of the rainbow, like if you put me in the lunchbox with my friends who were bright strawberries, you know, blueberries, all this, all of a sudden I look okay. So I'm a chance to get eaten, so to speak. Disguising the peas in with the potatoes or I know, I know, I love that analogy. 
as you said earlier, the rainbow, well, if you can incorporate that, everything looks good. Well, all your Insta posts that you put up, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like those lunch boxes. I want to eat those lunch boxes for lunch. And yeah, the love that you have for your children, you can see it shining through those lunch boxes. Awesome. But I guess, George, finally, for a parent listening today that says, right, okay, I'm on board. I'm ready to do this. We've been doing too many canteen orders. What's the first next step they can take to setting ourselves up for a good healthy lunchbox here? Okay. The most important thing there is kids are going to get hungry. Now, if they don't eat at school for whatever reason or they didn't like the food, at school pick up at about 3.30, they're starving. So my biggest tip is get a good lunchbox, preferably an airtight one and preferably one that is sort of spill proof or leak proof. So a good lunchbox and a cooler bag. In warmer days, you can put an ice block in there. Now, the reason why I say that is that when you're doing school, when I used to do school pickup, we drive and I'm like, all right, girls, lunchbox check. So we'd be in the car and they open a lunchbox. And firstly, they'll say, oh, we're starving. And I know they obviously haven't eaten everything. They open the lunchbox and I'm like, well, finish it off because it's still fresh. It's still edible. The cooler bag has done its trick. It's done its thing. So that is, I find, whatever they get given for lunch, they'll eat as a snack on the way home from school because the lunchbox has kept it nice and clean or fresh is the, is the key right there. So a good lunchbox is number one. Number two, it's okay to get inspo from people. You know, it's okay to copy other people's lunches because if it works for yours. A lot of people tell me that they show their kids my page, my Insta page, for example, and the kids pick the lunchbox that they like and then they replicate. Great idea, yeah. yeah. And they just replicate. Another thing is I did one year where every Friday I introduced foods from a different country and I called it Heritage Friday. <laughs> I love that. I even put a flag of that country just so my kids learn geography and part of the world, make the world a smaller place. So I know that using culture from you know all around the world to get your kids involved in like every kid knows where Italy is and you can make food fun so what's Italy famous for Oh, pizza and pasta okay well let's make a, a mini pizza for your lunchbox and talk about Italy so you're making food fun and they get to understand that different parts of the world have different foods a lot of people in Australia are multicultural so why not bring your own heritage and your own food that you ate or you brought to the country in your school lunches for your kids and it's okay if they don't eat their food because they will get hungry eventually. And if you're not a creative person like me, then lean on creative, talented people like you for that inspo. Thank you so much, George. Amazing chat, lots of awesome hacks and tips, and I'm inspired to level up my lunchboxes. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for having me. 